0: Uh, some reflections on the uh, on the sequence I've been pointing out this scene in the, particularly if you look in the Sangyutta, in the Bhujanga Enlightenment Factors section of the Sangyutta it's it's um, repeated many times there it's also the second sutra of the, of the Majjima Nikaya Sabhasava it's the way that uh, Things have to be cultivated. Also in the um, the discourse where the Buddha talks about the noble friendship being the whole of the holy life. Again, it's the eightfold path is to be cultivated in this way. And and also the Brahma Vihara in the Sangyutta, you'll see as a sutta where he talks about it. So it's it covers all the bases, all the enlightenment factors, the eightfold path. Uh, the Brahma Vihara, and it very closely corresponds to the last section of the Anapanasati Sutta. So the, the sequence is Viveka, Viraga, Nirodho, Vosaga, meaning Viveka, non-involvement, stepping back, withdrawal from being embroiled, being welded, being identified with something, <clears throat> where we actually feel ourselves to be in, something, you know, like, uh, you know, we, like we have a uh, situation we feel ourselves kind of, conne- you know, deeply identified with, connected to, so we're, we're always moved by it. So the Viveka is just that sense of being able to step back. And say, well, that's that, you know. Including, of course, uh, basically it refers to sense contact. How, you know, with the sense contact, the Sight, sound, touch, taste, particularly things like taste and touch, which are very intimate. There's a real feeling of, you know, I am that, the, the unification experience with it. I'm being filled, I'm being satisfied, I'm being stroked or caressed or whatever it is. It's it's a very strong bonding experience. So if your just, no, you're not. <laughs> it's just the taste. <laughs> it's that, isn't it? You know, it's not. There's nobody in there. It's just tasting, touching, seeing that's happening in consciousness. So that you know, you step back from that, and you see because it arises because of recognizing the the um, precariousness of that of that bonding, of that welding. You know, you 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 get caught in it, and then it it passes, and there's a sense of loss or hunger for more. That's stepping back. It's stepping back from the form of something, so you're no longer unified with that. <coughs> Viraga, dispassion, refers really to the perception and feeling. Perception, well, at least the, cont- the um, heart perception, the designation impressions, it's called, which means what we make of something, not what not tasting touching seeing but what we make of it perception hmm? of being of being uh loved or hated or um, you yeah, know obviously so that, then that becomes the basis for our experience of self or doesn't it i am the rejected i am the approved of um, so we take a people's words or actions and we internalize that experience as i am The least or the worst or the you know the best or whatever it is and no you're not it's just just a relational um, incident it's not a statement and of course in our meditation practice quite a lot of this statement goes on doesn't it you know in Dhamma practice this statement of oh I can't do this or I'm not that or I am this or whatever We, we take an impression and make it into a self we take a how I am, and make it into what I am. And that's what perception does; it internalizes, you know. And you get the feeling it goes along with that feeling, pleasant, unpleasant. This line in the Dhammapada, you know, uh, that we live happily amongst those people who are hostile to us. You know, that's what? Do you, how do you do that? You do that by not. Taking those negative perceptions and making them into yourself. Okay, well that's you know I mean you want to check out if it's true or not, but that's no longer even you're making a mistake, it's not a source for ill will, it's just a recognition of, oh it's incorrect, do it this way. So yeah. You know, so we don't store up that as a as a person. That's what perception will do. It will make. An incident, a, a how I am into a, 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 a self, who I am. Dispassion is the is the realization of this, and seeing the danger of it. Of course, the you know we rather like the nice perception, being praised or being appreciated. You know. Can we just experience praise and appreciation just as? well, that was, that, was certainly, that was nice, you know. <laughs> or criticism, oh, that didn't feel so good, but let it move through, you know. Otherwise, it, particularly in communities, it builds up into whole kind of um, issues, interpersonal issues, interpretations, self-views, he's this, she's that, kind of thing. you realise the danger of it? How our lives can get very stuck uh, with all these internal persons that we are or that annoy us or that fascinate us or, you know. we mm-hmm. see the danger of it. And there's also an escape from it. Doesn't mean we don't, we can't feel pleasure or displeasure Or praise or blame, you know, or recognize those experiences, but you know, to let them be of an event rather than of a person. Then you see, then you've got a chance of seeing, well, what that event, if I was involved with that, could I do it another way? Could I do it a better way? It's more useful. Or is it just this person, or they're not, there's a misunderstanding here, or whatever. So, dispassion refers to recognition of the of the dangers or the the, the uh, pitfalls of attachment to perceptions and feelings impressions and feelings mm-hmm. cessation refers to these activities sankaras the the movements of our mind you know how we Get up and running with something. We pick something up and run with it. You know, we proliferate something. Is, you know, makes a thing out of it. it. Just goes on and on and on. Cessation is uh, seeing the danger of that and the escape from it. This only can only occur when with dispassion, because of course. You know, what sets the whole thing rolling is the feeling and perception. That acts as the springboard, the trampoline. You know, you get one of those going, boing, you start running, you know. Somebody gives you a hard time and you you get a day kind of running on it. With ceasing, also we begin to, just through cultivation, get the ability, the possibility of letting something be there and not get running on it. We start to acknowledge skillful intention, unskillful intention, compulsive intentions, compulsive reactions, skillful responses, and you're able to mediate between those reactions, knee-jerk reactions and responses. Because, and these are all dependent on the arising of skills, of fruitions, of enlightenment faculties. Yeah, you can only, you can't really do any of these. You may be able to do Viveka, uh, that sort of, you know, stepping back. These aren't really things we do. They are levels of realization. They're like vipassana knowledges, vipassana jnana. They're levels of realization. You know, you realize it's like that. Uh, Therefore, because you realize perceptions and feelings are like that, that's what they are, that's what they do. And because the power of one's mindfulness and collectedness and investigation has been able to check some of that immediate identification, you know, it steps in there. You get the feeling, and it, it, that steps in. It so says, it's just that, it's just that, it's just that, okay? It's just that. Because of that, there is dispassion. You can't do dispassion. Same thing, you can't really do cessation. It's almost a contradiction in terms, isn't it? How do you, what actions do you do that are about non-action? But again, through the intervention of mindfulness, investigation, equanimity, concentration, calming... Because that steps in at the at that point, that place where you're going to get activated, there can be the stopping. So this is where, you know, this sense of breaking links, breaking these reactive links. So this is a lot of what um you know the release teachings are about just noticing there are these points where you can you can break or separate or not connect you know where you can break the links dependent origination dependent part is all about this isn't it So we have something like you know what is it uh um, With the ceasing of contact is the ceasing of feeling, with the ceasing of feeling is the ceasing of craving, with the ceasing of craving is the ceasing of clinging, with the ceasing of clinging is the ceasing of becoming. A little sequence like that. And of course, you know, you get the whole thing. So, um, how does contact cease? Well, we could look at that as a teaching on sense restraint like, don't touch anything, don't see anything. Um, Yeah. You know, but that's that's one way of looking at it. And yeah, that's got a part to play. The less you get coming in, the easier it's going to be. But when you look at it, you realize that can only really refers to um, bodily sense, like touch and um, mental stuff, what the mind makes of it. Because when the eye sees something, the the eye contact does not give rise to feeling. The nose, the smell faculty doesn't give rise to feeling. The taste faculty doesn't give rise to feeling. It's feeling that propels, right? Pleasure, pain, that's what gets the craving going. Now, the, the, the basis where feeling arises are the body and the mind, so, when you touch something, there's, there can be that. The body feels it. The eyeball doesn't feel a thing when you see something. You know, completely neutral. It doesn't do feeling. What it does do is it reports, or there's a reporting process where the mind takes that in and gets the feeling. So, the mind feels a lot. Hmm? So, this means. Because it's based on the mind, you could be blind, deaf, dumb, no nose at all, and taste, and you'd still have feeling and craving. <laughs> you know, if you are in a sensory deprivation tank, you'd still have contact, feeling, and craving because your mind is still there, and that would be going, that would be pumping out the the pleasure, displeasure. Uh, this reminds me of that. It'd be you know bringing up memories, thoughts, ideas, notions of what I am, notions of what I am not. there would be an immense amount of stuff going on. As you can recognize when we sit here and meditate with our eyes closed, it's quiet. Is that the cessation of perception and feeling? I don't think so. Is that cessation of contact? I don't think so. <laughs> not in my book. <laughs> There's plenty really of no contact going on. Yeah, so we recognize contact most meaningfully it does not refer to the arising of something at the sense door, although that's certainly part of it, but the real nitty gritty of it is the rising of something in the mind this means we can see taste, touch without this getting caught that's the point of it, it's that teaching that allows us you know, to be in a sensory world without hooking up to it, if we don't get that cultivate that or as long as we haven't developed that which of course you know, we may well not have developed it. It's just not easy. But when there isn't there's always a very uneasy relationship with sense contact, with other people, with sight, sound, touch. We're always kind of fencing it off and then losing it. Fencing it off, losing it, defending, you know, how do you deal with this stuff, you know? And then we can, you develop views, like it's all wrong. You get the aesthetic view you know, cut it all off, get away from it all. Um, but this is really shooting the wrong beast. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not. Certainly, sensory restraint is important, just so you can really get a closer. You're not overwhelmed. You get a closer look at this behavioural stuff. It's what the mind makes of it. And that means we've got a real a way to really work with that, because you know it does give you the the authority. It's not you know sights out there are going to suddenly come and get me. What happens if some nice looking woman walks in the hall,, "Oh God no, you know, or they tur- dish up some tasty food? yeah You just notice the perception feeling, you know. And then what your mind can make of that? Just put the, and we have all these kinds of reflections and recollections to, to jam that, don't we? You know, the unattractiveness, the, the temporary, the, the temporary nature of sense gratification. You know, um, you get your kind of favourite food. Okay, your favourite food. Try to eat a bucket of it every day. You know, you don't, you don't will never see it again. <laughs> Uh, two take, two mouthfuls, that's, that's nice. That's just how, you know, how it is. I thought in Thailand they had this kissing contest and they somebody man- managed to remain uh, kiss 42 hours locked. Can you imagine how much sexual desire would be left? <laughs> Up to one hour, let alone 42 of them. <laughs> but you know, three seconds might be quite nice or a minute or so, but 42 hours (laughs) you just see how the mind kind of presents things you know, this kind of little flash experience that the mind, there can be a very pleasant flash there the mind takes that and, and thinks, you know, and just sort of Makes that global and, and t- like an eternal embrace, an eternal kiss, an eternal sexual um, event, you know, that would be totally horrifying, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know? So, what's, where's the reality of that? It's just like the mind um, wants to push its little pleasure button zone. Hmm? those are these experiments they have with rats poor old rats they didn't get consulted on the issue whereby this they kind of put electrodes in its brain and there's this little pleasure centre somewhere in there that triggers off this kind of happy juice and whenever this rat pushes its nose on a lever or a button or something this signal goes in and Sparks off his electrode, and he gets a little burst of pleasure. The so rat sticks his nose on a bar. Dong! Oh, that was nice. Does it again? Dong! His rat eventually does that till it dies of exhaustion. <laughs> 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 it's totally hooked on this on this signal, you know. I saw a little clip of this, rat, and they had this rat. They took the rat away from its pleasure pleasure button, pleasure bar. And he put like a about two feet long, two or three feet long strip of metal with an electric current running through it. And he put the rat on one side of this strip of metal and the pleasure button on the other side of this strip, strip of metal. And the rat would run across this live electric, <laughs> electrified metal strip to get to its pleasure button. You can see it's kind of hopping with pain. To get his nose on that button. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you think, wow, this is you look at it and you think, I think I know this experience. Suddenly <laughs> you resent, so what's happening, you know? It's like we have sort of pleasure areas, and what happens if you keep you know bringing up these images of pleasure and delight, you magnify it and sensitize that particular area in your nervous system and your mind just keeps going there for another push you know another you know you think, oh, oh, oh another one shot, and every time you get the you know the come down from one hit, then you go back for another hit to get to get over the come down from the last one <laughs> This is how addiction works, isn't it? This is why, you know, people have a bottle of whiskey under their bed to get over from the hangover the night before. You know, oh, God, I feel terrible. Quick, give me a hit. You know, that's how it works. So then definitely restraint on terms of, like, just external restraint, also internal restraint. Just don't keep, you know, stop your mind going there. Stop it. You know, put it into your body. Reflect on it. You've got to jam it. That's the activity, and then what can occur is that because eventually, you know, if you do that consistently, that particular kind of air pleasure area system starts to get less energized. The pathway is not so well trodden. You know, most people have got highways going to their pleasure zones you know, with traffics going on all the time. But eventually, you know, you don't go there very often. It starts to get overgrown. It's not so easy to go there. Your mind doesn't run there; until it goes to things like, you know. And then you have alternative ones like metta, loving kindness, uh, compassion, you know, which also feel very good. But they're not of that kind of fiery, attractive, obsessive quality. So you, you, you divert. That's a skill. This is the actions you do. To bring around a ceasing of contact. That is a ceasing of this particular contact impression. Sensory pleasure, for example. Which is highly you know, sensitized. Or being something. Becoming. Status. Role. Position. Futures. You know. Because people spend a lot of energy in terms of presenting their, getting their esteem together. I mean, some people are really drunk on it. Power drunk. Praise drunk. Fame Drunk. You know, glory addict. Uh, (laughs) You know, make a whole living out of being famous. Uh, It's a hell realm, isn't it? You know, how long can you keep being, out? you know, the number one? Scrabbling over everybody else. And yet, like that rap, people will do it. Do something. You know, fling yourself over Niagara Falls in a barrel. You get put in there in the Guinness Book of Records. That's me. I've done it. My <laughs> well, one moment of glory, eternalized. <laughs> this guy, when they did this kissing, this thing in Thailand, like, at the end of the guy says, Well, we've done something for the Thai nation. You know, we finally got the Thai... This is for the, you know, done my bit for the Thai nation because now we've got uh, Thai persons in, the, in this book of records. <laughs> this is kind of like, wow. <laughs> is <it> that bad? <laughs> well, you know, you think, about, you think like Ajahn Char, or Ajahn Mahabu are probably more important. <laughs> Of becoming well known, they weren't interested in it becoming well known. So, you see, this kind of inadequacy or neediness that that, that means we need to be that. What's that about, you know? And then, this is why these things like Brahma Vihara, Metta, Karuna, towards oneself, you know, so some of that hunger for, for the warm feeling is allayed, is quenched. And of course the two fundamental ways of doing that is, is the metta, loving kindness, and um, so forth, karuna, uh, compassion, mudita, appreciative joy, equanimity, they make you feel good. And also samadhi makes you feel good. Piti, sukha, rapture and ease make you feel good. So you're not so bothered, you don't care, you're not hungry. You've got your food. You don't have to compete with anybody else for it. You don't have to kind of snatch anything for it. And you develop a lot of skill in that. So, something like that is a part of the process of the culti- uh bringing around cessation of contact, feeling, craving, clinging, becoming. When there's a feeling, there's that that rat. The pleasure thing, the clinging to the craving for it, or want another one. And then the clinging to it, addiction. And becoming is a sense of whole identification with that, which is more a human thing than a rat thing. You know, our lifestyle becomes centered around that particular source of activities, just like you become a junkie, or you become a football star, or you become a whatever, you know? So you, your identity gets moulded around that. till so your whole life is spent supporting that particular identity. You can't step out of it. You know, you, 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 that's your track. Therefore, that's your karma. That's your birth. With be, rising of becoming is the rising of birth. You become that. That's where you're going. That's what you're formed as. With all the limitations and dependencies of that. So ceasing of contact doesn't just mean not touching anything. It means going to that place where we are touched in our minds and hearts and saying, just check that out. Okay, now, what's really happening here? And then what's the value, long-term value of that? You know, what's the satisfaction in it? There's a little bit, a tad. And, you know, and what's the results? Hooked. Need some more. And of course, this will be a rather bleak um, scenario if it wasn't that there's other things that can fill us up. The Brahmavihara and samadhi, self-respect, precepts, these things that fill us, you know. And it's important to remember that all this is really... uh, Cultivation around the affective, you might say the heart, where we feel. These are not just conceptual experiences. They're there, where we're affected, the feeling sense, the emotional sense, the responsive reactive sense. So ceasing of contact means there's a ceasing of attention in that area. It means we don't keep framing our day around the meal, whatever, you know, whatever our particular thing is. Sometimes you start the day already longing for that moment. When you can collapse at the end of it under your duvet. <laughs> it's the last little zone, <laughs> you know. Four or five in the morning, it's kind of cold and grey, and you're sitting there with a stiff back. Oh, God, another day of this, you know. And then at the end of the day, that, you know, just kind of oh, sink down into something warm. <laughs> Nobody's going to be getting at me. <laughs> so, the, you know, how our, our attention frames up things. We see the attractive. And we don't see the bigger picture. So intention is the impulse, the motivation that comes out of that attention and contact. You know, we keep driving it from where either directly or indirectly, we kind of wait, work our way towards that. And uh, renunciation live life is great for that because you really see how things like you know a cup of coffee can become you know an icon of bliss other people are swigging it down by the litre every day coffee shop you know you go to some place where they haven't got any and then one day something comes in you know and it comes in and Comes in and there's milk as well, it's in the morning, and you think, Oh, this is God, there is such a thing as a merciful God. Coffee and milk and sugar at the same time, <laughs> and, and a donut as well. Oh, <laughs> you know, suddenly, you know, the last 20 years of meditation practice are just like, So what? This is all is worth living for. Just get it, you know, frames it up so that we may have been restrained for 15 years but it hasn't actually <laughs> solved. <laughs> solved the fundamental. It's just lying there waiting to arise. It's the anusaya, latent tendency. So you suddenly see these things. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? I really lost it on that one. And here's this is kind of sandbox stuff because you know nobody goes to jail for eating a donut. <laughs> it's not a parajika offense. So you just wit- witness the kind of way that something can be sourced so much You know, transference of happiness. Mm. You just like to see the madness of it. But you can't say, well, the problem is the thing. People are doing, you have all this stuff out there all the time. It's just this, the mind that's hungry. This is very important that we then have a human and reasonable response. This is why that the Samatha is so important just to say as a human being, you know, we have this, you know, until we're enlightened need for pleasure. So a skillful person, the Buddha calls it someone who's able to fashion their own pleasure based on factors of awakening. Yeah, And also, yeah, based on release, because the sense of being free from that nagging and pressure is oh, relief. pleasant. So some of these activities can cease, and that's what cessation's about, ceasing. And relinquishment is... Uh, can have to do with consciousness. Release, relinquishment is consciousness. So what's called um, the substructure or substrate? I've seen it written as upadi. X is a the kind of centre point sense of self, the identification experience. Mm-hmm. And that is uh compounded into consciousness vijjapachaya sankara sankara pachaya vijnana. So from this unknowing or this the non realization of emptiness, of nibbana, of the deathless, the unconditioned who not realizing that Not experiencing that, not bearing in mind the Four Noble Truths, this is kind of sankharas, the intentions, the contact impressions, that whole structure gets established and infiltrates consciousness. Consciousness arises moment to moment around this basic structure, which is I am, it's out there, I'm in here, how do I get that? Consciousness is dualistic, it's set up like that. I'm in here I'm seeing that's out there what am I going to do about it that's activity the consciousness is programmed in that way and relinquishment you know uh, is is, you say the last step you might say this last realization Um, because it's the realization that there isn't somebody in here and there isn't something out there. There's this subject-object division is relinquished. You don't. And again, so what's that? You know, you can't exactly do relinquishment, but it's a it's a maturation that comes from the cessation or the ceasing of these sankara, which we talked about. So dependent on the ceasing of this. Intentions, impulses that keep us, you know, all connected to or reacting to, responding to. You know, that. You know, then this subject-object thing starts to relaxes, gives up. When you look at it even kind of reflectively, you can say, well, you know, who's in here? doesn't really work, does it? And we only call things out there because there's this inference of an in here. There's no out there about it. It's just there. It's not out there. We're not separate from this. Of course, what there is changes, sights, sounds, touches, but we're never somewhere other than that are we? You're not outside the hall looking in, you're you're inside the hall, you're you're right here. There's no somebody other than what's being experienced. Of course, because it changes so much, and so swiftly, it can be thinking, seeing, touching, tasting. The the here-ness is continually shifting very fast. So there's this sense of I am... Shifting or I am the constancy behind all this shifting. Well, you look at that. That's Upadi. That's that's the substructure. That's the and that solidity is only solid because there's a grasping that's holding it there. That's what makes it seem permanent. How do you know that? Well, because if you look directly at who is, there isn't anyone. That's the view of insight. And when you relax the tension of grasping, there isn't a place where things land. There isn't a me where things land. Nothing touches me. There isn't anything to touch. It's just sights, sounds, hitting, responses, reactions, contact. When all that starts to cease, there isn't somebody kind of risk, receiving things, kinda of being hit by things. So the so the, the twofold is really is what calm and insight are about. Calm is about softening and relaxing the energy of that of impression. So something touches us and there's kind of tightness, grabbiness, defensiveness, flusteredness, you know. That's that's the what we call the that's the clinging, that's the energetic aspect of it. That's the solid bit, that's the me bit, that where there's this sense of a density. Mm-hmm. So, when it's relaxing as we can do, and some things obviously are not particularly charged for us, only certain things we get dense about, some things you just kind of drift right through. Just, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> nothing, at, you know. So, for that one, there wasn't anybody there, it just passed right through, you know. Cricket results or baseball or something, just boom. <laughs> it didn't hit anybody. But if you're a supporter of Chelsea or Manchester United, suddenly, you know, Manchester United got thrashed five nil at home, whang, you know. It's know. dense. So you get it's kinda of energetic tightness and reaction start happening. But we do realise quantum things can just kind of just move right through. You know, what's that mean? Canadian Ice Hockey Championships. <laughs> not like, dislike, or anything. It's just not there. <laughs> because one hasn't built up the karma to solidify around that. That's how it all comes together, isn't it? You see the, the grip, the Upadi, that's the karmic result of identifying, taking the position, getting fascinated, feeling indignant, you sol- the energy solidifies. So when we practice samatha, samadhi, you start just basically soft and loosen the energy. You know, So, you know, Manchester United thrashed at home 25 nil and they don't move. <laughs> Nothing happens, it's just the sound. It'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> but of course, that you know there are, <laughs> you know, you see certain topics. But then, you the basic structure of that density. So there's a relaxing of the energy. The other aspect is is challenging the view. So relax the energy, challenge the view. The view is challenged by insight. So the energy is relaxed through samatha the view is challenged by insight insight says well you know who said they're your team anyway you know well what's what is what is the team anyway you know it's just a group of men kicking a ball around what is that where's the delight in that you know well um, how come they're yours how come they're yours when, you, when they win and you disown them when they lose <laughs> You know, so you start to question the, the identification. And particularly, we look at this as a kind of humorous example. Where you look at some of the more, you know, um, difficult stuff. You start to define yourself as, I am this, I am my history. You know, right now, when you look back, you're your history, you can call it that. But who was that person seven years ago? Where are they now? Who is that? Challenge it. That's just an opinion you're creating now. It's just an emotion now. And then what we could be, what we fear we might be, what we dread we might be, who's that? You sure? Isn't that just anxiety now? Or craving now? Isn't that what it is? And we might have particular bents, you know, like the feeling of, well, you know, better make sure it keeps it together, otherwise it's going to be like this. We've got we've got a, a, an inclination towards anxiety about the future. Or the opposite, optimism. I think people tend to more, more the anxious sense of future, uncertain. If it's uncertain, it's probably going to be wrong. Rather than it's uncertain, it might be marvellous. Hmm? So we just challenge the view. Even like, you know, you get to the, the, the by six o'clock in the morning after the first sitting's over, you think, oh God, today's going to be a struggle. <laughs> and you get to the end of the day, do you ever recognize, you know, how bad you thought it was going to be at the beginning and you, you still got through it and you're here at the end of the day and it's all up here, so... You know? And yet your mind's going, oh, I can't stand this, I'm out I can't stand this another minute, I can't manage, no, no, I'll just do it, no, I can't. And you just did stand it another minute. You, know? and you get to the end of the day and just recollect, like, who was, who was I in the morning? What was the unbearable thing that happened at 11 o'clock? It wasn't that unbearable because it's now 8 o'clock in the evening and you've <laughs> passed through it. <laughs> You start to challenge these these views that build up. So you can do this in a fairly, you know, not necessarily a deep level of samadhi, but fairly questioning, developing that particular way of continually questioning. Who do you expect, think, dread, regret that you are? Who is that? It's an emotion and a feeling. Okay, you've got to give it some time, some space, be with that. Release. Isn't somebody there? This is for liberation. You see the importance of just these Brahma-vihara, loving-kindness, because the I am arise out of a particular atmosphere of uncertainty, of regret, of negativity, of Doubt. So you start to clear some of that through these practices. So the relinquishment, release, you don't have to, that, that seemingly inevitable experience of cause and effect of becoming someone doesn't have to occur. This is freedom from birth and death. If it doesn't arise, it doesn't, you don't have to hang on to it and watch it cease. This is the ending of birth and death. You know, it's a big, big thing. These are realizations rather than actions. You don't exactly do releasing, but through the build-up of meaningful practices, hitting that point, touching that point of the I am, this definitely this release, this relinquishing starts out, and you relinquish some things, and something else lets go, and something lasts a lot shorter time than it did before, and some things start to become very infrequent visitors and do the fog lifts a little bit incrementally over the years they're looking at years, decades of practice but you might notice you know even fairly early stages some bit of some bit of it's gone some bit of it's finished and it's not there's no lack you know what's replaced it is bright. Spacious, open awareness. It's not, you know, you, not lobotomies we're looking at. Though so I've thought of that as a possibility. <laughs> so the insight practice, the samatha practice, the practices of kindness, compassion remember these practices of kindness they're not sentimental they're not about attachment they're about repelling ill will so with loving kindness you can see the pleasant in the unpleasant you can see the unpleasant in the pleasant you can see the unattractive features of people that you rather like the agreeable factors of people you dislike you know Well, so it's just that quelling of both ill will and also of attachment. So it's both. Because the mind remains not grasping but in a quality of of Mm well-being. Compassion, you pass through both uh, cruelty and sorrow. It's not sorrowful. So the cruel, dismissive that's tough luck. <laughs> you know, that's your problem, mate. It's kind of hard rebuff that can happen when we see other people's sorrow. Well, it's his karma. You know, she's like that anyway, or never thought he was going to make it, or, you know, you, people like to say that, you know. People were saying to me, oh, well, the abbot's job is like being a lavatory. Uh, yeah, thanks. I've heard that uh, one uh, for several years now. <laughs> That's a really kind of you to remind me. <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> you know, rather than say, well, you know, it could be put another way, couldn't you? Like, how can I help might be more useful. <laughs> rather than, oh, no, I wouldn't like your job, mate. <laughs> you know, it's not deliberate torture, but it's a sense of like <laughs> you know, slightly lacking in that, in that, in that faculty. And the other aspect of when it goes into sorrow, which is continually agonizing over the pain and suffering of the world, well, that isn't it either. You know, It's, it's a near miss, you might say. Uh, just the intention is to challenge the experience of pain, to be there, to try to re- put it away, to see how we can resolve that. And whether it works or not, we don't know. We don't know. But what we can do is bring that quality there. We'll do to the ability to appreciate, take joy in other people's welfare or in one's own, recognize, thank goodness I've got two legs. Rather than hopping around on one, I can still see, I can still eat without having a tube stuck in my throat. Well, I'm on a winner, you know, that level. Other people are having a good time. Well, good, may they be happy. And so that repels a kind of cynical, negative, bar humbug sort of mind. (laughs) And upekar just keeps things spacious, cool, you know. Winning, losing, yeah, winners last for a while, then it turns into losers, losers lose, and then they come into win. you know, just kind of developing that emotional breadth. And so these are very important cultivations. You know, when we get a bit tired of focusing on breathing or walking up and down, then just just these are important things to do. Just sit and reflect. Goodwill towards oneself and towards others. Mm. Bring to mind, uh, you know, one's wish to to other people don't suffer. I don't want anyone to suffer. And then just kind of. And the results of this are for our welfare and for other people's welfare. These are lovely cultivations.